The 15 days of spring are passing quickly, and Coach Mark Rick and his staff are running a race against time to leave the desired footprint on the Miami Hurricanes football team as it heads into the summer months. They scrimmaged for the first time under Rick on Saturday, and they concluded practice number 10 today with an eye on scrimmage number two, which will take place on this Saturday, and it's open to the public at Oxbridge Academy in West Palm Beach. We talked to Rick today about the team's progress this spring. It's amazing that it's two-thirds over already, and um, but we, we've come a long way, come a long way. Just general observations of this practice, I thought the defense really – had a, really had a good day, especially in what we call our team run segment. They uh, we kept we kept scoring that one, and they won like 15 to six or something like that. Kind of dominated the day. And then uh, after that, we did a little team blitz, and we actually did better on offense than I thought we would do going in. A little bit of different uh, fronts and stunts, and a lot of new stuff. But I thought we handled it pretty good there. And then uh, our last little drill was probably a wash as far as you know. Both sides had some good things, but. Overall, uh, you know, guys are working really hard. I've, I've, uh, like I told them after practice, I'm asking the coaches, you know, not to relent on how we want them to do things. Not even academics. We're not going to relent on we want you to be on time. We're not going to relent on you uh, being prepared and being respectful and doing the things we're going to ask you to do. We're not going to relent when it comes to, you know, going to breakfast or going to dinner as mandatory events and all that kind of thing. And so I'm asking our staff, to do that, but I'm asking the players to be coachable, to be teachable, and not to be stubborn. And uh, I don't see a, I don't see, I can't think of one guy who's really being stubborn. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't see anybody bowing their neck out there. They've really got a good attitude towards learning and uh, allowing us to guide them, and, and that's that's the first sign of leadership. After a while, they'll they'll take it over once they know what we want. You've gone over the uh, the first scrimmage film now, obviously. I was wondering right. just sort of your general takeaway and also any uh, depth, major depth chart changes. Um, offensively, we really didn't do anything. We're, we're just rotating guys, teaching, getting everybody reps and evaluating. Like even the quarterback position, I'm just keeping my same role. I got Kaya with the ones and everybody else is rolling with the twos. And it just – like it was kind of luck of the draw in the, in the scrimmage, you know. If a guy had one play and a, it was a fumble, and that was his series, and the next guy went in, and we just kind of rotated that way. And uh, defensively, they they may have done a little bit more movement there. And I'll be honest with you, I hadn't spent a lot of time watching their depth chart, but I did talk with the staff yesterday, defensive staff yesterday, about every player, how they're doing, and all that kind of thing. And because uh, I need that input, because I'm spending so much time with the offense, but uh, we're getting there. One thing. Unique to this Rick Run program is how little time he actually is spending with the defense. We've heard great things about Brad Kaya from the head coach. We've heard him lament the lack of speed right now at the receiver position as he waits for freshman recruits such as Amon Riches, Deontay Mullins, and Sam Bruce to arrive. But we have not heard him talk very much about the defense at all. At all. That clearly is defensive coordinator Manny Diaz's show over there, and we had a chance to talk to Diaz this morning about the progress on that side of the ball. 
Uh, it was a typical first scrimmage. Um, I, I thought we played a little slow. I thought we played a little timid. Um, the you know spring a lot of times was back and forth. You know last Tuesday I thought the offense won the day. Uh, on Thursday defense was dominant, and then on Saturday scrimmage I thought the first 20 plays I thought defense had played well, and the offense kind of started pushing back. In the next 25 plays it was all offense, and then second half it kind of it kind of balanced back out. We're trying to not only learn what we're doing, but also trying to learn to sort of fight back when things aren't going well and how to respond to, to adversity. So it, it was a good it was a good learning experience for all those things. Manny, you said, you said told somebody that uh, maybe maybe on the radio that the defense still lacks the mental toughness to win this fall. What can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I think that's I think that's what we're talking about. In, in a spring practice, there's normally you know you want a healthy back and forth. Um, but you don't want to be so dramatic where when, when, when one side pushes, the other side doesn't resist, you know, and, and that's what we're trying to learn to do is that, you know, you know, we play in a very competitive league. We, we're, you know, we expect to play in very competitive games. We showed them last, uh, we showed them the other day, Coach Rick showed the team that the ACC has the highest percentage of games decided by seven points or less in all of college football. So we have to expect to be in tight games. So we have to be able to, you know, expect that the teams are going to go on runs. They're going to battle back. They're going to make plays, and, and you've got to you got to be able to to stand up and and um, and and make a stand when things aren't going well. Coach, come, coming off the scrimmage, um, defensive line in particular, who elevated themselves, uh, moved up second team, moved up to first team, if anybody. You know, really, with the way we're handling the defensive line right now, all those guys are really kind of mixing in with the first and second team groups. A, because that's probably how we're going to have to be in the fall, and then B, we don't. We, I mean, at this point, we don't want anyone to think that they've figured it out and that they've arrived. So, you know, with the inside guys, I mean, we really feel like coming out of the scrimmage, we had five guys that that are not all that separate from each other. Now, is that a good thing? Now, at what level are they at? You know, but but I know that we feel good about having five that that we can rotate and 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 play with depth, and I think that's going to define us a little bit um, in the fall. And yeah, ideally, would you like? More than that to rotate, and you rotated any other positions besides what? the interior guys. No, I think it, no, no, no. The, the whole the whole defensive front four is going to have to rotate for sure. I'd prefer to have it a linebacker. I really love to be able to play six linebackers. Um, for sure, you have to play eight defensive linemen to to survive. I, I sometimes I try to equate this defense to like a, a it's a full court press in basketball, and you you can't full court press and play five people. You, you'll just you'll rest. Um, so the defensive line being able to have, you know, at a minimum four ends and four tackles that you feel good about playing, um, to me is a necessity to be, you know, to be a good defense in this day and age with the tempo offense. And in the secondary, though, you maybe can lock in a little bit more. Well, depth you know, when, when you make a mistake at nose guard, it, it might be a first down. When you make a mistake at safety, it's a touchdown. So it, it, the, the, I would say the, the line to step across the field to play in the secondary, it might be a little bit different to what it is to, uh, to be a guy up front. So you're midway through now. Do you, do you feel like you're seeing progress? Last question. Yeah, we are. There's, I mean, there's no doubt. Our guys are improving. Our guys are getting better. Um, they're, 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 they're thinking less in terms of the defense. You know, the, the installation is pretty much past us now. So now it's just repetition, repetition. And what we have to do is make ourselves functional so that when they work on it in the summertime, when we as coaches can't be there, that they have enough knowledge of the defense to be able to correct their own mistakes when they go players on players in the summertime. Thank you all very much. Thank you. You gotta love the tenacity of Manny Diaz. As, as guys covering the team, we totally appreciate every single opportunity to talk to him, and you see why. Um, he's a fiery guy. He knows what he wants out of this defensive football team, and is bound and determined to get the Hurricanes there. 
uh, by the fall. So there's so much to talk about as we begin this spring football edition of Kane Sport Live, sponsored tonight by FanDuel.com, which has begun its daily fantasy baseball games that we'll tell you more about later on in the show. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of CaneSport.com, and we once again welcome you to the fastest two hours in Hurricane Sports. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. We have 100 open phone lines, so there's plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. We're going to use the same system that we have the entire year. Remind you, if you want to participate in the show, you hit the number one on your keypad, and that'll send us a prompt that you'd like to participate. As always, we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to submit questions and topics that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. Here's some of what they came up with, and I'm going to start with the broadest one and, and, and cover it for a couple minutes here while you guys that want to participate in the show hit the number one on your keypad. And then what we'll do is we'll go out to the phones, we'll take a few of your calls, and then I'll get back to some of these other questions that came in as the show continues on but um obviously the big question that's on every single person's mind every canes fan's mind is what players are excelling so far in spring practice with the new regime and um 10 practices in that's starting to come into focus a little bit uh you know we we purposely waited to have another show here the last week or two because we wanted some concrete things to talk about. And I think we're at that point now with one scrimmage in the books and um, scrimmage number two on deck for Saturday afternoon in Palm Beach. And hopefully a lot of you guys are going to be able to get up there and or come down there depending on where you live and um, start making some of your own evaluations that we can discuss in greater detail on next week's show, but uh, let me just go through it a little bit, position by position, tell you, you know, what we're hearing and, and, and some of the observations we've had, and then we can elaborate on those as the show continues forward this evening. Um, starting at quarterback, uh, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that Brad Kaya has really been sensational from day one of the spring. He's a seasoned quarterback now. He's throwing the ball incredibly accurately. He's absorbing Mark Rick's offense almost to the point where he knows it better than the coach almost at this point. Uh, Mark, coach Rick was joking a little bit about how in the scrimmage the other day he made a couple wrong calls and Brad corrected him in the huddle and said, Coach, don't you mean this? Um, and uh, Mark joked about how he hasn't called plays in 10 years, and uh, thank God he has Brad to stay on top of him and make sure he doesn't make mistakes. Um, but, um, yeah, Brad Kai has been great, um, as you would expect, and, and there's no reason to believe that he's going to do anything but thrive in Mark Rick's offense as quarterbacks at Georgia have through the years. Um, the, the, the big key uh, for the offense in addition to the offensive line, which we'll talk about in a minute, is going to be progression at the receiver position. And it's been kind of weird um, listening to Mark Rick talk so much about the receiver position in terms of it lacking speed, lacking depth. He's not happy with where they are at receiver. Those freshmen coming in are obviously going to get a great chance uh, to play right away um, this this fall. So, um, you know, they're trying to get through spring practice with what they have there. Stacy Coley. Uh, no surprise there, has been the leader of the receiver pack. He's having a, a good spring, as expected. Uh, will undoubtedly be the go-to guy, most likely at that position uh, next fall. 
But the guy that Coach Rick has mentioned as being the next guy that's left an impression on him is kind of a little bit of a surprise, and that, that's Braxton Berrios. And, you know, Berrios is the kind of kid that just does the right things. He, you know, he makes sure he knows his playbook. He runs good routes. Um, not blazing, blazing fast, but, but sneaky fast. And um, the big thing with Braxton is he's just not a big receiver. He's a you know, small guy that works the slot. Um, but he's impressed Coach Rick a little bit. And then the next guy would probably be Malcolm Lewis um, also. But, um, you know, the thing with Malcolm is he just, you know, doesn't have that burning speed either. So they're having a real tough time stretching the field. They're having a difficult time challenging the defensive backs to the degree that they would like to uh, because of that speed uh, deficiency there at receiver. Um, and, and it's not going to change. I mean, that's just, you know, they can only run with what they brung here this, this spring. And Daryl Langham certainly is not a speedy receiver. So right now they're lacking seasoning and they're lacking speed at the receiver position, and, and that's kind of hindering pro- progress there. Now, a guy that they're looking for more from at receiver is obviously Lawrence Cager. Uh, I, I know I personally expected Lawrence to take a bigger step forward this spring than what he has to this point, and, uh, you know, probably needs to get a little bit more engaged and, 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 and make more of an impression in the, in the last uh, five practices and two scrimmages here because you know, you got those young guys coming in in the fall, and if the coaches don't feel like he's going to be the, one of the guys coming out of spring practice, uh, I don't know what that means for Lawrence Cager going into August. So um, he's the guy to keep an eye on here the last you know week and a half two or so. Um, a lot of pressure in, in my mind on Lawrence Cager to, to make a move here in the latter part of spring. Running back, Trayon Gray fans will be happy to know he seems to be getting a really long look. Um, I think the coaches are also intrigued by Gus Edwards, obviously, as a big back as he works his way back from injury. But I'm not sure anybody at this position has really solidified anything to this to this point. Uh, seems you know pretty le- pretty level in terms of the competition there, and um, you know we'll we'll see. I, I you know I I think that. Uh, you know, we'll have a little bit of a clearer focus once we get past the scrimmage this weekend and then obviously the spring game. Um, but no secret, you know, Mark Richt has always, you know, liked big running backs. So Trayon Gray and Gus Edwards are, are going to get a shot. But, you know, that obviously year being Walton will be part of the equation as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to come together uh, in the last two scrimmages. Tight end positions. Probably been one of the strongest on the team in spring practice. They're really all doing well. Stan Dobard's having a good spring. David Njoku looks spectacular. He's, been, he's put on even more muscle than he had last year. Looks very explosive to me. He looks like he's improved uh, his blocking over last year. Uh, Chris Herndon, hopefully his dad will be calling us tonight, uh, as he often does on Kane Sport Live. But, uh, you know, Chris Herndon has looked very good as well. Um, so the tight end position with those three guys is really in pretty decent shape. Um, offensive line, everybody knows that um, this is a challenged position on this current Hurricane football team. Uh, I don't think it's any great surprise that Danny Isadora has probably been uh, the offensive lineman who is is making one of the bigger impressions this spring. Um 
it's been very apparent that Casey McDermott is trying to step up his game, uh, been very intense, very focused, um, and, and trying to be a leader in that offensive line group as, 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 you know, as he moves forward in his career. Uh, we've been hearing that Tyler Gauthier has been doing some nice things at center where they've been working him. Um, we believe Tyree, um, Tyree St. Louis and, and Bar Milo are also making progress. Um, but without a doubt, it's a position that is very much up in the air. Um, Sonny Adagwu, who played a lot last year, uh, has, has really not been able to do very much this spring. Uh, he's having um, some physical issues with his knees. Uh, that certainly has his future in a little bit of a state of flux. Uh, so a position group that remains a work in progress. Um, defensive line, uh, you know, they're, they're working hard with those tackles. You know, Ken, Kendrick Norton has looked like he's making a little bit of progress. Gerald Willis is doing some good things at times. Um, Quan Muhammad, without question, has been the most impactful defensive lineman on the team. Uh, he's at a whole nother level. Um, you could say fortunately or you could say unfortunately. I mean, I think there's other guys that – everybody would like to see performing at the same level that Quan Muhammad is performing at right now. And one guy that comes to mind is Chad Thomas. And, um, you know, it, it's got to happen pretty soon here for Chad, you know, you know, going into year three now and, uh, you know, you'd like to see him maybe standing out a little bit more than what he is right now, but uh, we'll see how he does in Saturday's scrimmage and talk more about him as the show goes on and then into next week. Uh, but a time for some of those D linemen to start uh, taking that better coaching that they're getting from coach Kuligowski and uh, translate it into, into performance on the field. Um, linebacker to me has been like tight ends, a, a very pleasant position group so far this spring. Jermaine Grace has been absolutely spectacular by all reviews. And I think the young kids, uh, you know, Shaq Quarterman, Mike Pinckney in particular, um, you know, Zach McLeod to a little lesser degree because uh, he's still nursing somewhat of a, sh- a shoulder uh, injury. But um, they're really making an impression and doing a nice job. And uh, coming in for spring practice is really going to help those guys be contributors in the fall. Um, they're not intimidated by the older guys. They're, they're, they're not, they haven't felt overmatched. Physically, um, they've been very, very impressive in, in full contact work, and they were impressive in the scrimmage on Saturday. So um, the Shaq Quarterman and Mike Pinckney, I don't think there's any question that those two are going to make a contribution to this football team in the fall. Um, what we don't know is what kind of role Jamie Gordner is going to be able to craft for himself. He's been working um, like Quarterman at the middle linebacker spot. Uh, we don't know what's going to go on with Darian Owens. We don't know yet what's going to go on with Jawan Young. Um, so th- there's still a lot of questions at linebacker, but at least it, it seems like they're responding well to Manny Diaz's coaching and, and having a quality spring. And, and, and that right now is probably uh, all you can hope for at the linebacker spot. Um, DBs, you know, they're doing well. Uh, you know, Mark Rick has, has said at times this spring they've been as tough to throw on as any group of DBs that, that he's had through his career. But um, he puts an asterisk ne- next to that comment. And the reason that he does that is because of the fact that he doesn't feel that his receiver group 
on this team is at the point where they're challenging those defensive backs the way that they'll be challenged in the fall. And so he's, you know, cautiously optimistic with that position, but certainly not getting himself too carried away um, with the kudos because, like I said, he doesn't feel like they're challenging those guys uh, enough. And um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, We know that they have depth issues. You know, that's no secret that the um, defensive back position has depth issues right now. Um, But at least the first team guys seem to be having a productive spring. So that's good news at that position. All right, we'll get to more of the questions that were submitted as the show goes on, but I want to get out to some of your phone calls. The call-in number, as you know, is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. Remember, hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come and participate on the show. And let's begin tonight in the – the 347, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? What's going on, Gary? This is Kwame. How are you? Hey, what's up, Kwame? How you been? I cannot complain. Uh, just left the little Palm Beach area, and I didn't get a chance to sort of make it over uh, to um, Ponce de Leon Drive. But, uh, oh, no? No, uh, but I will say that I've you know been trying to keep up abreast with what's happening with the depth chart. I, I understand they're not going to be releasing that until the end of spring. If then, I mean, there's no hurry there. Yeah, my again, like all Kings fans, my concern is with the defensive tackle position, and I, I got to say. I, I know you know it's beginning of the season. You know, in spring, everybody has a a chance in the fall at this juncture, but this kid R.J. McIntosh, I've been listening to a couple of interviews from him, and he seems like he's going to be a dog out there. I just, I, I, I don't know if he's been talked up enough. His mood to the defensive tackle, but it seems well, like not- he's very raw right now, Kwame. That's why you know he's learning. He's, he's, he's. You know, it's just, it's just too soon. Mm. I heard he's getting reps with the ones though. Yeah, everyone is. There is no ones. Just, you there understand no that. Okay. There is no ones. There's no okay. depth chart. Everybody's getting reps with everything. You know, there's the, 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 there's just constant rotation. There's no such thing as first team, second team. So so they, they're, everybody's rotating, and then the coaches will make the evaluation as to who the first and second team will be in the after fall camp. Down the road. Camp. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're in no rush. You know, one, they're still second. getting to know their players. They've only seen them in one scrimmage. And, and two, they're not looking for anybody to start developing any sense of entitlement or comfort on this team. They want these kids working hard uh, through the summer. And, you know, obviously, Quan Muhammad's going to be a starter. I mean, you know, but, I mean, there aren't too many guys on this team right now that you would say that about. I mean, certainly nobody has any clue who's going to start at running back. You know, I think any of those guys at tight end could be starters. They, you know, nobody knows, and, and you know they'll obviously all play a lot. Um, you know, I think Stacy Coley can pretty comfortably know that he's going to be a starter, but I'm not sure any of the other receivers can have that attitude. Um, on the O line, you know, 
Isadora, I think, probably is pretty secure as being a starter. Um, you know, obviously, Nick Linder will be a starter more than likely. But, I mean, other than that, I think all those spots are, are open for competition. And, 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 and you could go on and on through every position on this team and say the same thing. And that's the way the coaches want it. And it's a good thing for this team right now. You know, they have to develop an entire football team. Um, not, not, they're not trying to develop 22 guys. They, they, they need to develop 50, 60 guys that can play winning football. And that's what they're trying to do. So let me ask you this. At the end of this evaluation period that they're going through this spring, uh, I want I would like to know if there's any intel on, let's say for argument's sake, they don't like where their roster is at. Now, we had heard talk and buzz from various sites, including King Sport, that they were looking at, you know, buttressing their defensive backfield with a guy like J.C. Jackson. And then I hear that they're not looking yeah, at that, that was inaccurate, uh, Kwame. You never saw us report that. Okay, there there was one phone conversation, and that was it. And J.C. Jackson was never close to joining this roster. Hmm. That was falsely reported. Why is it then? I mean, do you think they feel like their defensive backfield is stacked enough with what they have? Or no, I no, I think they think a lot of spots on this football team need to be better. And 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 it and they do. Okay, well, well, let me ask you, like, so guys, I'm throwing names out there that many Canes fans, they follow South Florida football, have heard before, but, you know, I'm looking at, what what the hell ever happened to Trevante Valentine and the other kid from university school, the defensive tackle, I can't pronounce his name, uh, but they both went to LSU, now they're both, I mean, they haven't seen the field yet, I don't know whether or not they're in JUCO or not. <laughs> Uh, have you heard any buzz about the, the staff looking at the JUCO ranks and bringing some guys? Uh, no, but here's here's what I'll tell you. Mark Rick's not looking to bring cancers into the program. Okay, he, you know he's trying to build a program here that's going to sustain itself as a winning program for years to come, and he's not looking to bring rejects from other schools that had problems at other schools into this program. If if a transfer makes sense. He'll obviously take it. He was trying to take it, you know, some of the kids from Georgia that wanted to transfer out of Georgia and come to Miami. But, but uh, he's not opposed to transfers, I don't think. But he's not looking to take kids that had problems at other schools, you know, like a J.C. Jackson, and you know, become try to become the leader of their reclamation project. I mean, they don't need that here right now. Gotcha. You know, the, gotcha. Got a group of kids. They're very happy with the attitudes that they're seeing. Um, the willingness to learn, the willingness to work, you know, no beefs at all. Mark Rick told us today that there's not one kid on the team that he has a problem with in that regard. He's very happy with the attitudes and the, the willingness to work and learn. And um, I think they're, they're, he's not looking to bring problems into the program, you know. Well, he's willing I, to build it the right what, way. Gary, I, have, uh, I had a serendipitous happening uh, last week, where I found out that I actually have to be in Miami on October 9th, okay? And, and so I said, well, usually I have to be at places a day in advance. Guess what day October 8th is, Gary? Uh, who, what game? Florida State, have... Miami. In... Yeah, there, there you go. Sorry, so I, I, I don't have the schedule I, I, memorized yet, but that sounds good. Oh, yeah. That, that's the only game that I have memorized, sir. That's a good time to be in town. We can go one in ten, okay? 
if that one win is against Florida State, I'll take it. I'm sick of it. You don't understand what I'm dealing with, Gary. I got I'm sandwiched between Alabama fans, Florida State fans, and Ohio State fans, and I'm the only Kane fan at my job. The only one. And the the legions of these guys. I mean, I, I get memes. I get angry text messages during the season. I mean, it was it was brutal this year. I'm really not sure I can go through or stomach another season like the last one. I'm, I'm well, hopefully you'll have something to brag time. about on October the 8th. We'll see what happens. I need it, man. Thanks so much for the time, Gary. All right, Kwame. Thanks for being on the show as always. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Um, got a lot of open lines that you can use. Just make sure you hit the number one on your keypad if you want to be on the show. Uh, let's go out now to the 312. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. This is Andy. What's up, Andy? How you doing tonight? Good. Uh, long-time subscriber, graduate of you. A couple questions for you. You used to be able, on your site, when you were looking up a player and you saw his high school, you would see what other players were on that team and where they were yep. being recruited from. Are you going to put that back in? Yeah, what's going on right now, Andy, and, and, and you know, with all apologies, um, you know, we're on a platform that's been in existence for 15 years, and it it just it, it needed to be updated. The technology needed to be updated, and it, it's an ongoing project. And 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 right now, that's what they're working on the prospect database portion of the of the project. And um, what they have to do is you have. You know, what, 15, 16, 17, 18 years, I don't know what the exact number is, but going back to the start of of the network and and the start of Kane Sport on the Rivals Network, um, you've got all those years of data which have to be migrated over to the new platform, and then they could start building out from there. So uh, it's an enormous job for the engineers, uh, you know, so so that's that's where that is, and and. It's in the process of, of being migrated over to the new platform, and then they'll build out the prospect database that will reside on the site. So um, that's where we are right now on that. I see. So eventually, it'll be the same. In, in oh yeah, 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 yeah. It won't be. You know, it, it shouldn't be too much longer either. I mean, they've been working on it for for several weeks now. So great. My second question is: uh, Are you going to be able to get the results for? the weight room and the 40-yard dashes from the, uh, I guess, the winter workouts? Um, <laughs> the best be way for me to answer that is there's, there's a new sheriff in town and um, seems to guard that weight room pretty pretty, pretty well. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, in, in the past we had a great relationship with Andrew Swayze and we always were able to, to get that data from him. Uh, not sure at this point whether they will share that with us or not. We obviously will certainly be trying to get it for you. Okay, one one other thing, and then I'll let you go. Um, when he was recruited, Casey McDermott was like the man. Everyone wanted him, and he, Urban Meyer came down, and there was that whole to-do, and he told him he's going to the U, and he was going to be the next great left tackle. What what has been the reason? I don't know if you know this for sh- for sure but why his progress has been so slow and he's been kicked inside when you have Darling, who seems like a perfect left guard, kicked out at left tackle. 
Well, for starters, I don't think Casey McDermott's a left tackle. You know, I, I, I think he's a right tackle or a right guard. And um, so that, I'll start with that. Um, okay. the, the next the next thing I, I'll say is th- the biggest problem with Casey McDermott is that he wasn't redshirted as a true freshman. Okay. He should be a redshirt sophomore right now. Uh, I, I think he's right where he should be. In terms of his development as a third-year guy, to me, the only issue is he's a junior. And he should be a redshirt sophomore getting ready to go into games for the first time as opposed to what he is, which is a third-year guy that everybody's looking now to be you know, a real stud on the O-line. And um, maybe he gets there by the fall. I mean, he's a tough kid. He's working really hard in the weight room. He's got the right attitude, and he, and he wants to be really good. Um, you know, so so to me, the only you know the only thing that that's wrong with him is that his career was accelerated by not redshirting as a true freshman, which is what he should have been. Do you think that's partly because of the South Florida overhyping all these kids? No, I think it's because Al Golden didn't redshirt kids that he should redshirt. You know, I don't think it's okay. anything to do with hype. I mean, you know, offensive linemen coming out of high school. Very few of them are ready to play college football. I mean, it's a whole different deal. And they have no business, in most cases, being on the football field as true freshmen. And it was a big flaw of Al Golden's time at Miami, you know, playing all these true freshman linemen. And the program has suffered for for it, in my opinion. I I agree with you 100%. I was just, you know, there was so much hype about them. And there are the occasional players, and you see them all across the country, where there's, there's certain freshmen can make an input, and certain are developed more than others, playing all lines or D lines. But you got to take the right ones, and like you say, you got to redshirt the other ones. I think the skill positions, such as a tailback or a wide receiver, can come in and play right away. I think those are the guys that can play. Where the other yeah. guys need to be Yeah, Amon Richards can walk in this fall and play. Sam Bruce can walk in this fall and play, but. Offensive linemen and defensive linemen have no business in playing as true freshmen unless they're elite five-star players that are just freakish athletes that are equipped to handle it. And there's not very many of those. Yes, good point. And the one other thing that I want to mention – oh, well, I forgot now. All right, um, thanks for your time, and I will call again. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. Thank you. All right, 646-595-2048, is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad. If you'd like to be part of the show, let's go out right now to the 443. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Are you with us? Going once, twice. All right, you're going to have to call back. Let's go to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? Hey, Gary. Yeah, there you are. Who's this? Oh, no, I just wanted to listen, man. I'm sorry. I didn't hit the the number one. To, uh, okay, you did, but it's all right. We'll put you on hold. No, 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 no worries. Let's go to the 504. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing good. Who's this? This is Roland, man. Hey, what's up, Roland? Welcome back. I know, man. I got to just uh, just check this. I didn't even know they had a show. Just to see uh, what was going on. Are you you doing uh, after this night? 
after after Tuesday night. Uh, you want to show next week? Or how, how are you? Yeah, we'll do the next two Tuesdays. Yeah, we'll do the okay, next two okay. Tuesdays after the two scrimmages. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I just have a couple of questions. First, um, from your perspective, we know it's hard to make any type of determination. Roland, you're breaking up on us. Start over again. I see. I know it's really very, it's very, very early for you to have any type of assessment, but just from what you've seen so far from the defense as a whole, um, that's my first question. What's, what's your, I mean, what's maybe one or two thoughts that you, uh, two, two things that you see a little bit different from the players or um, just the mentality? Well, I mean, there's no question. It's it's just a way more aggressive mindset and a way more aggressive mentality. Now, what that's going to mean, I think it's too soon to tell. I mean, you know, the offense isn't really throwing a lot at them. They're they're still learning the basics of Manny Diaz's concepts. Uh, I I think that you know we'll we'll see a little bit more maybe on Saturday up in Palm Beach and a little bit in the spring game but uh you know it's a work in progress and I don't think that there's a lot of conclusions that can be jumped to at this time and I mean I think at times they've been very happy with how the defense has played at times the offense has had success against the defense um so there's really just not you know they're rotating a lot of guys all over the place there's no depth chart yet I just don't think that you can really make a whole lot of evaluations to this point. Uh, I think you just got to sit back and observe and 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 let it let it all evolve and come together. Um, but you know, we all know they're, they're it's going to it's going to be a four three defense. Manny Diaz plays a very aggressive scheme, takes a lot of chances. There'll be a lot of blitzing. Uh, you, you know, he's trying to get enough personnel in place that can contribute so that he can run the defense the way he wants to and rotate guys, and, and that's where they are right now. Okay, and two two last quick questions. Um, the offensive line and the D-line, you see any big differences, or you, is it – I know it's real early, but do you – anything that stood out for you that you say, oh, this is different, you know, versus, you know, last year's time with, with a different regime? The biggest difference I see is the teaching that's taking place. And, um, you know, Coach Coach Cool is clearly a a very high-quality defensive line coach. He's putting a lot of time in with those guys, teaching them technique, refining what they do, um, you know, that I have to believe is going to be better than what we've seen in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, that's been the biggest difference. You know, just the the, the general teaching – that's taking place on the practice field. Gotcha. And one last question, and you can put me on hold after this, if you could. Um, Jaquan Johnson, I think there's a guy that's going to be a superstar. Um, is he going to stay at safety, or are they going to uh, move him to corner? And I just right now he's at safety. They they have not moved him. Um, I guess they like him at safety. He's an explosive kid. Uh, Manny mm-hmm. Diaz likes to do a lot of things with his safeties, and. Uh, you know, to me, he looks a little small there. You know, we'll see how he handles it as his career moves forward. But um, right now, he is staying at safety. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad you were able to do a show tonight, Gary, and I was able to call and listen in, man. So uh, just keep me All on right, the Roland. Thanks, everybody else. Call. Thanks, man. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of it. 
All right, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's go now to the 321. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, am I on? Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing? This is TVO Kane. I'm from Space Coast, Titusville, Florida. You can call me Chuck. All right. What's happening, Titusville? Yeah, man, not, not much, not much. Um, I just want to allude to a couple of things um, about people's realistic, uh, you know, I guess expectations of the team this year. You know, I read the boards, and I don't really comment a lot, but I just read what a lot of people say. And what they're thinking, oh, this is a 10-win season, 11-win season, oh, we can go to the ACC championship game. But realistically, <laughs> um, and I'm a diehard Kane fan, but, you know, I'm a realist at the same time. And uh, this is, in my opinion, and I don't know about you, maybe you can tell me what you think, but at the most, uh, a two- to three-year, I'll say probably a three-year, work in progress type of deal. And that's probably because of the recruiting. Uh, I think Al Golden, the previous staff, they did a decent job. But as Mark Ricks has said, we don't have the guys. Uh, And I think for us to be able to play with the big boys and get back to where we're supposed to be or where we need to be, you have to have the guys. And we know that Mark Rich is a good coach. We know that. We know that he's a good coach. He's going to get it done. But he came out and he said, we're not big enough. We don't have the guy. And for being a coach for 15 years in a program at Georgia, you would think that he would know what it would take to win at the highest level. And to me, I think he's right. And when people out there saying that we can do – yeah, we can compete for the ACC championship or ACC coastal division, no doubt about it. But when you get to that big game, can you win those big games with what we have now on the roster? The offensive line is the biggest question mark in my evaluation of the team, period, and probably the DB. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I would agree with you. And, you know, common sense probably would dictate that your two- to three-year uh, projection or whatever you want to call it, it, it you know, is it, probably common sense. Uh, but yeah. you know, the, the offensive line, no question, is a, is a huge question mark. Uh, you know, Coach Rick has been very vocal about the lack of speed that he's found at the receiver Correct. position. Obviously, uh, that's a work in progress. Uh Running backs, I think they feel like they've got guys that are serviceable. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a franchise back there right now. I'm sure they'd like to upgrade that position. Um, you know, tight end, I think, for right now is in pretty good shape. But uh, obviously mm-hmm. they'll be looking to continue building on that. And then defense, I don't think they know what they have yet. You know, the only guy yeah. that jumps out on defense as a potential dude, like what you're talking about, is Quan Muhammad. Yeah. Quan Muhammad exactly. should be a pretty damn good player. He looks very good yeah. to me. Very, very yeah. explosive. When he's doing drills, he stands out above all the other guys. You know, exactly. from but 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 with him but with him excelling and doing what he's supposed to do, he's gonna make the other interior guys look better. You don't need but one guy 
to make the rest of the time the rest of the guys on the line look better. Because if he's getting pushed and doing what he's supposed to do, somebody else is going to have to get, he's going to command a double team. So that means somebody else in that old, on that D line is supposed to show up. And so that's another question mark. And you're right. So. Um, and there's guys there's guys that might do it. I mean, you know, Gerald Willis yep. might do it. Kendrick Norton yep. uh, might right. do it. Um, you know, Anthony Moten might might take a step forward. Uh, R.J. McIntosh might get it all down and and be a serviceable guy in the fall. But right, right. now, it's all ifs and it's all maybes. You know, there's just not a lot. Hang your hat on there. You know, at, at linebacker, you're counting on a lot of young guys. They're showing a lot of promise in spring practice. Yeah, but what we're talking about when the lights come on and you get on the field and you're playing against guys that's been in the league or been playing college football for three or four years and you're going through this long season, you're going to hit a wall. And it's just realistically, you're going to hit a wall. It's, I mean, when, you, when you're coaching football, you know if you have a good team. Mark Wicks knows right now, and that's why he's so adamant and he's telling people the truth. See, before when Al Golden was there, he was kind of like, you know, in between life. He didn't want to really – you know, say what he had right now. So, hey, you guys got to just sit back and just, hey, just take it, as, take it as what it is. He's telling you guys, hey, we're not there yet. Yeah, we're working to get better. But he knows what a good football team is supposed to be like. And that's what I'm taking out of the whole situation. You know, yeah, we got guys at certain positions, but for us to be great and to compete at the highest level with the Florida States and the, the the Ohio State and Michigan's and whoever else you want to put out in Alabama's and all those guys, man, you got to be have at least two to three guys at each of those skill positions or better to be able to compete at a high level every game. So that's how I feel about it. You know, until we get there, Al Golden and like you said, the red shirting, major failure, major, major failure in his tenure, major. Yeah, I mean, just that can set a program back years. I mean, you're not allowing yourself to properly develop the players you are recruiting. And if you're making recruiting mistakes, and then on top of it, you're recruiting players that could be good players and you're not developing them properly, then, you know, you've got obviously a double whammy. Yeah, we had had good players, but those guys weren't weren't supposed to be playing when when he put them in. They should have redshirted. Then he's getting guys that probably shouldn't have been at the University of Miami in the first place. That's number yeah, two. Yeah, I mean, Casey because McDermott, you'd feel pretty good about if he was in a sophomore year like, next year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, he, and he, you know, the previous staff, he, I don't you know, like to call his name too much, but he, he did a lot of reaching. He did a lot of reaching. Now, I, I mean, I, it's I supposed like, to take an offensive lineman three years to be ready. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yes, it's supposed to. Yeah, unless, unless you get those – those straight up, straight studs. I mean, boys that just, you know, just ready to come in. But you know those guys. Those guys are going to show themselves in practice. You're going to see those guys when you see them. Oh yeah, this guy's ready to come in and play. But you know, until you get those guys, you know. Uh, but at the same time, Gary, when I look at, let's just say Alabama, just for instance, last year they won a national championship. Then when I look at their roster and look at what they did. They had a quarterback, which was mediocre. Would you say that? He was okay. They had a running back that was great. And they had a wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball. Yep, a decent offensive line. But their defense was good. But they won a national championship. So if you look at the Miami, if you compare Miami to Alabama right now, you say, okay, 
Miami has a better than average quarterback. We have we don't have a we don't have a great right. We don't have a uh, uh, what was his name? Alabama's running back uh, Henry. We don't have a Henry, but we have three serviceable backs that I think can get the job done. And we have a Stacey Cody, but we have a tight end that I think can be a stud if we utilize him the way that we should, which is uh, Najoku. Well, I think you've so seen Najoku and Herndon and Dobard on the field a lot. Oh, oh yes, and those guys. <laughs> if we get back to the tight end. To use, utilize that tight end, I think we can be good. But the only question mark is the offensive line. We can, but and then the defense, because if you look at what Alabama did, they won a national championship with not that many great players on offense. That's what you know what I mean. If you look they had at, an they elite had defense. defense. Uh, yeah, put it that way. They had an elite defense. They had a great they, defense. Yes, they did. So when you look at that. That's what we're missing. We're missing the studs on the defensive side of the ball all around. I just say we have a we have a few, but you have to have all the guys in place to be able to compete because that's where it gets down to in the championship season. You have to have a championship defense. And if you look back the last five to six, seven, eight years, defense wins championships. And until then, till we get that side of the ball fixed and recruit it well. We're not going to win a bowl game in another four or five years. We're going to win a bowl game in how many years? <laughs> yeah, one game at a time. Game? Don't try to project winning <laughs> yeah. bowl games. Yeah, yeah. I know, you know, you know right I know now it's one game at a time. Seriously, it's yeah, going to be that way the whole year. I yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even worry. I wouldn't worry about bowl games or anything else. You know, one week, one week at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, so. How have you seen the intensity in practice based on uh, the previous regime coming in? You know, I know it's been a couple of years ago. No, I think, I think it's good. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, blow a bunch of smoke up your guys' butts and, like, try to make you think, oh, my God, it's, you know, the the practice field is shaking under the, the intensity that, that, that you hear and see out there. I mean, you know, the, the kids are, are working hard. Um, they're, they're working harder probably than they have at any point of their hurricane careers. There's an enormous amount of teaching taking place, and when teaching's taking place, that's not intensity, that's attention. The the the, exactly. the attention is the intensity at that point of practice, and uh, you see a lot of that taking place. And um, you know, I, I I think they're building, you know, they're trying to build a football team, and okay. uh, every day they 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 they're trying to make progress. And what we're hearing from the coaches is they feel that they are, you know, they feel pretty okay. good about what's going on out there. Um, that's and that's all we have that's to go by. You know, they're the ones that are that are working with the kids. They're the ones judging, and they're happy with the effort that they're getting from their kids. And that's what I want to know because you know I heard that you know on the previous staff, you know you didn't see the intensity at practice like it was back in the days and all this type of stuff. So that's the kind of feel that I'm trying to trying to get to see how are the practices, are the tough practices, are they they're hitting? But I know it's a lot of teaching. The first year they're changing, they have to go through, you know, changing up of schemes and all this type of deal, new offense, new defense, all this stuff. So there's a lot of teaching going on. I understand that. But still, the intensity has to be there. That's the kind of stuff that I was trying to see. What, what I'm going to be able to see on the field, and I'm going to be able to see that, you know, go get them type attitude. So, oh, you're going to see it on the field. You know, <laughs> the, the style of defense that they're going to play is going to have the kids so hyped up all the time that, that you're not going to be able to help but see it on the field. You know, it's just go after people. It's, you know, and there's going to be times they give up big plays. But, um, 
it's it's just it's it's a it's a mindset and a style of play on that side of the ball that uh-huh. I'll be shocked if we see too many games where they look lethargic. They may get beat, but I don't think we'll see too many games where they look like they're not hyped up and into it. And that's what that and 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 that's what it's all about. That's what I like to be able to see. That's what everyone's been, been dying for, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like Manny Diaz is going to be the greatest coach coordinator of a cane of the of the cane nation's dreams maybe that's ever existed in this program um <laughs> certainly since greg Schiano. i mean y- you know he yeah. he believes in blitzing and going after people and 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 that's yeah. what they're going to do you know now and you and, and they're, gonna, they're he's willing to live with some bad plays and cuz you're going to have them you're going to have bad plays but guess what that makes the offense play better because you're going to get beat when you play an aggressive style of defense like that. Things are going to happen that you're not that you know. So now the offense got to come up and show up and score points. So you know, hey, and I can take that. And then it makes for an exciting game. So hopefully, that'll put the people in the stands and the people of Miami and the Miami Nation will come to these games to support our team. And that's what I'm looking for. Is do you feel a vibe down there? Um, is it is it you know, better than it was the last year? Do you feel like the guys are rallying around Mark Rick and this hurricane program? Do you think they're going to get in the stands and come support our boys? Well, let's not make any crazy predictions there either. I mean, here's what I know. They've, they, they've sold 4,000 new season tickets since Mark Rick was hired. But, you know, let's be honest. They lost several thousand people before Mark Rick was hired. So uh, I, I think if, if they put a good product out on the field – I think there's going to be a lot, there'll be a lot of excitement in the fall, and I think the crowds, you know, could be decent. But uh, again, you know, if, if you've been around Kane Sport and you, you know, you've known me for a long time, I, I'm not big on making crazy predictions about things that have not come to fruition in the past. And uh, Miami's had attendance problems for decades. Okay, yeah, and, and 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 you know, there's going to be a lot of excitement with the stadium. Uh, I think it's going to be beautiful. I, I, I think people are going to like it, but uh, I think that'll help if the team's good and people will come out. If the university gets its act together and prices the tickets appropriately and seats people appropriately so that they're not spread out all over the place. I mean, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself if you've got to have 60,000 people there for the stadium to look right, okay? Yeah. Stop putting yeah. people in the upper end zones. Tarp those things with beautiful tarps that look good from the blimp and consolidate the crowd in the lower level and then build the upper deck as it sells. And that's what they should be doing. I don't know, what, you know if they're going to make those changes or not. Um, but if everything comes together in that regard uh, and the team, is, it, they're putting a good product out there for South Florida, then I think they got a chance to draw. Okay. Yep, man, that's all I had, Gary. I'm sorry I was so long. All right, well, but, thank, uh, thank, thanks for being part of the show. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Gary. Talk to you later. Have a good night. All right, 646-595-2048 is the number, 646-595-2048. Remember to hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 941 now where you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Um, what I wanted to get – talking about for a minute is we had recently had a pro day and I guess the weather wasn't too good and again we look like 
a second-ranked program to your program because we don't have an indoor practice facility. I mean, I'm yep. hearing it from all my buddies, guys that go to UCF. I mean, UCF. Tell me they've had it for years. And um, here we are supposed to be letting our guys, you know, get showcased for their talent. And, you know, it, it, it's it's another bad, bad example of the media jumping on it. And we look terrible. Do you agree? Yep, no doubt. I mean, it was horrible, and it was it was it was horrible for those kids that that they had to do their testing in driving rainstorms. You know, you're talking about you know your whole life you've been waiting for that day to audition for the National yeah. Football League, and you're having to do it, run forty yard dashes and shuttles on wet fields and things like that. The reality is, we'll overreact to it. Everybody will use it, you know, in a negative way, and. Um, the the NFL will adjust. You know, if if they feel that those kids are quality prospects, they'll have them out to their camps for more tests and things like that. And those kids will get other opportunities um, to showcase themselves at the end of the day. But the bottom line, and this was one of the subjects that people wrote in that I was going to cover on the show, so we might as well go ahead and address it all right now. Um, I think what it did and what happened the other day did – was even further draw attention and accelerate the process within the upper levels of the university. And and I think that, you know, right now athletics has the attention of the power structure of the university more so than and, and it's not even close than certainly I've seen in the in the thirty five years or so that I've been around the program. And you know, it's just it, there's, there's an enormous uh, awareness that this university needs to pay attention to athletics and and do the, and finish doing. They've done a lot of the things. You know, they built the Schwartz Center. Um, they've they've improved a lot of the other facilities. They've light, they put lights on the practice fields, things like that. It's not like they've been asleep at the wheel. Blake James is an athletic director in that regard. has been great. Um, but there's a there's a great. Um, greater sense of urgency now within the upper levels of the university that they need to finish the job and, and they need to complete the equation. And, and you know, they can't build a stadium on campus. There's absolutely no place to put it. There's no way, not enough places to park people. Coral Gables would never go for it. Um, you're not going to see a football stadium on campus in, in I, I don't think in, in any of our lifetimes uh, for sure. Um, but, um, you know, maybe one day the the money and the, and the political muscle will be in place for that to happen at Tropical Park or something like that. You know, there certainly is the land there, and it and that does make a lot of sense. Um, but so right now, the most pressing issue for the athletic department is this indoor practice facility, which you know everyone around the country has built over the last three four years. Um, everybody in the ACC has them. Everybody in the SEC has them now. Um, and Miami obviously needs an indoor practice facility to stay competitive and relevant in in football. And um, what I think is going to happen is that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I, I think that there's a huge commitment by the university to get this done. I think you know Blake James is working very hard 
to try to identify the starter donors. They need it's going to be a twenty to twenty-five million dollar project. They're not going to build a half-ass indoor practice facility. It's going to be first class all the way. It's going to be at a level comparable to most around the country. People aren't going to be able to say we have a better indoor practice facility than Miami. Um, they're not cutting corners. They're, they're going to do it, and they're going to do it right. Um, they need about ten million dollars to get the project started, and um, right now that's what they're working on. Uh, I, I know, I know for a fact. You know, Blake James is working on that and trying to identify uh, one or two big donors who could put up that initial cash that they need to get the project going. Um, and it's going to get done. I mean, there's too much money at this university and too much power <clears throat> amongst the upper levels of the board of trustees and stuff for that project to not get done. And, and, and I, you know, I think by the end of this year, we'll be getting, you know, making an announcement that the money's in place and that the project's going to get started. I really do. I'll be surprised if by the end of this year, <clears throat> that that project is not in motion. So um, I know it's something that's on everybody's minds. Um, we get more questions about that right now than anything. Um, and what happened to Pro Day only put an exclamation point on all that. But I think that everybody who's listening tonight and, and you know can feel comfortable, because I know I feel comfortable in saying it, that this project is going to get done, and it's going to get done so sooner rather than later. And I think that they're going to build a first-class facility that everybody can be proud of. And, um, you know, we'll see who, who ends up, you know, getting the project going. Well, that's well, that's good news, Gary. And maybe, maybe even though this is a, you know, obviously an unfortunate day for for our players, uh, maybe it did accelerate the process a little bit. And 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 I sense that since Blake James has at least um, talked about this before, I'm assuming there's a location already in place. Do you know? Well, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it, if it's etched in stone. I mean, I'm expecting it to end up being. Uh, Built on the practice, on the existing practice field where they currently have an artificial turf field that they really doesn't get used all that much. I mean, um, that's where it, it certainly should go. That it'd be right outside, you know, in proximity to the locker rooms and everything. Uh, no reason to take away intramural field space, for example, from the general student population. Um, I know when I went to school at Miami, those intramural fields were invaluable to us. We played sports out there. We laid in the sun out there. Um, it's a beautiful part of campus with, a, with the, that massive green field outside the, the, the dorms over there. And uh, it would be a travesty, honestly, if they took that away from the students and put a big uh, bubble there, uh, indoor practice facility. I think the right place for it is, is where the existing practice facility is. And ultimately, I'll be surprised if that's not what they settle on. All right. Very good, Gary. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right. 646-595-2048 is the number. 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to be part of the show. And um, I'm going to take a moment right now to talk about our sponsor this evening, FanDuel.com is back, and you remember them from football season. We had that canesport.com league on FanDuel that so many people enjoyed and had fun with. Well, now it's baseball season, and sports fans with MLB season underway, um, this year there's a whole new reason to play one-day fantasy baseball 
on FanDuel.com. And, um, and that's because FanDuel is the best way to experience sports, period. Think about it. You, your friends, the games, the adrenaline. Not only do you get to watch your favorite team, but you get to create your own and then monitor all the games and see how your fantasy team is doing on any given night. And, uh, you know, I've played fantasy baseball on FanDuel, and it really is a lot of fun. It, uh, it takes watching the games to a whole nother level. And uh, you can play against your buddies. Uh, you can test your skills against other players. There's, there's many different leagues. You decide how often you want to play. You can play every day. You can play just once. FanDuel has contests for everyone, from the casual fan to the expert. And, oh, yeah, there's a catch. You can even win money while you're at it and uh you know really my whole family loves playing on FanDuel all the different sports and uh you know FanDuel has created for us to get everybody started here on fantasy baseball they've created a special game for canesport.com uh subscribers listeners to canesport live and you'll be able to access it at fanduel.com forward slash cane that's fanduel.com forward slash cane it's going to be a one-day league on friday uh so you've got a couple days to get your team in line um i believe they they put a five dollar entry fee on this cane sport league for friday nights and um we'll try it out the next few friday nights if it goes well i'm sure they'll continue it through the season um so you know, if you think you know FanDuel um, because you saw a bunch of ads during football, think again. You have to experience the fun and the excitement to really get it. And baseball season now starting is a great opportunity to try FanDuel uh, today or this Friday in the Kane Sport League, which you can access at FanDuel.com forward slash Kane. So enter a FanDuel League. And if you don't win any prize in your first contest, and you can make Friday night the first one if you want, they will refund your entry fee up to $10 back into your FanDuel account so you can play more. So the first time you try FanDuel this week, you have absolutely nothing to lose. Um, they, they're guaranteeing your entry fee. And um, like I said, if you don't win, they'll put the money right back into your account. So just deposit Play, um, sign up, pick that Kane Sport League at FanDuel.com forward slash Kane. Um, and when you go to FanDuel.com, you have to use our code name Kane, C-A-N-E, when you sign up. And you'll be all set. And if you don't win, they'll refund your entry fee. So that's FanDuel.com. Use the promo code Kane. Sign up for a fantasy baseball league. And if you want your first one to be the Kane Sport League that FanDuel has set up, you can access it at FanDuel.com forward slash Kane. That's FanDuel.com. We thank them for being a great sponsor all year round of Kane Sport Live. All right, let's get back to your calls now. Uh, the number is 646 595 2048. That's 646 595 2048. And let's go now to the 706, where you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's going on? Doing good. Who's this? This is Sebastian. Hey, what's up, Sebastian? Welcome back to the show. Hey, I'm just... Um, all right, first of all, I hope you had a good spring, good Easter. Just checking on the status of my Kane football team, and some things that I heard you say on the show that was really encouraging in regards to the, the tempo of the practice, 
it looks like they're really, really making some strides out there in regards to just learning the new offense, new defense, playing with a little bit more passion. What have you seen as the biggest change? The teaching. I mean, it, it, it's it's a classroom out there. Um, those kids are getting a, a lot of instruction, and they seem to be getting better instruction than than they have earlier in their careers. Now, you know, listen, the Al Golden coaching obviously took a lot of heat, and sometimes in some cases it was justified. In some cases, maybe it wasn't. Um, and certainly this is no time to, you know, stomp on those guys. They all lost their jobs. Some of them have been rehired. Some haven't. But um, I'm seeing a lot of teaching taking place, okay, and uh, what looks to me like a lot of good teaching, and and I think that's encouraging. One of the things that I'm, I'm intrigued on is Mark Rick has really been communicating that he, does, he doesn't have the speed he would like at the wide receiver position. He doesn't. Um, so we 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 could have well, said that, right? Yeah, I mean, where's the speed? Stacy Coley, and that's it. And that's it. So what? I mean, Braxton Berrios can run a little bit, but he's a little guy, so it's a, it, yeah, it's a different a kind of. No, so it, 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 it's Mullen, kind of speed. When, gonna, you you could take a guy who's say six three two ten and have him run four four, and it's a different four four. Than a guy who's you know five nine one seventy five one eighty, right? What it does, what it does is it creates a whole lot of distance. You know, you can't have the defensive back playing bump and run because you're afraid of giving those explosive plays. So you have to be somewhat. Yeah, and you're dealing with things like wingspan and things like that. It's just it's a different type of speed, and um, you know they they don't have it right now. So when we get. Amon Richards, when we get Deontay Mullins, who I think is going to qualify and make it in, you know, I think they are Darrell Harris, I think I'm probably butchering his first name, and Sam Bruce, it's going to give us a little bit more depth in the position, but it's going to be somewhat exciting experience. So we have to be kind of be prepared for that. We don't know how they're going to take the college and adjust to everything, but over the long haul, I think they'll be okay. I'm really, really impressed with what I've been hearing as far as the linebackers. It looks like even though we're, they're not going to have the experience we had last year, it looks like we have a little bit more talent this year, a little bit more depth going into the following year. It sounds like the defensive line is a little bit more improved than what it was last year, not at the level that we were at when we were in a championship, but somewhat improved. Can you confirm that? Is that what you're sensing? Is that what you're hearing, seeing? What's your take on which, that? Which, which, uh, you broke up on me a little bit. Which position? The defensive line position. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not going to be worse. Uh, I mean, uh, th- there's no question about that. They're getting coached better than they've ever been coached in, in modern-day history. I mean, this guy's a real-deal defensive line coach, okay? He's not he's not a paper tiger that people talk about. I mean, this, this guy is a real-deal defensive line coach, and I've spoken to several people in the SEC um, about Coach Kuligowski, and the one thing that they told me is consistently, even though he didn't always have the best talent, that the the best fundamental defensive lines that they played year year in and year out when he was at Missouri uh, were his defensive lines, and um, he's going to get those guys technically sound. He's going to improve their technique. Um, he'll get them playing probably harder than they've played in the past, and uh, it should all be good. I mean, you know, the, well, the, the issue is what type of raw talent do they have there? And uh, we'll find that out. You know, I, I think what they have will get maximized 
greater than it's been. Um, and like I said, it's certainly not going to be worse. Well, the thing that, the thing that I've always remembered about uh, Missouri defensive line compared to ours, it seems like our defensive line didn't never impact the game. You know, it was just kind of like just hold up and, and hopefully the linebackers and the defensive backs can make plays, whereas when I watched Missouri defensive lines in the past, their defensive lines were wrecking havoc, you know, with um, Michael Sams and, you know, Ray and, you know, uh, Sheldon Richardson. I mean, their defensive line always wrecked havoc. And Mark Rick, I remember when Missouri beat Georgia in Athens, their defensive line destroyed Georgia. I remember that game vividly. Georgia was predicted to do real, real well that year, and Missouri came into town, and they beat the britches off of them. And they were just dominated by their defensive line. So that is something that I remember. Um, I'm hoping to see maybe a graduate transfer wide receiver or maybe a graduate transfer cornerback come into the program. I think we could use a little bit more depth there. Is that something that you sense? I know we're not going after J.C. Jackson, but I know we have one guy from Texas coming in. Are you hearing something else? I know Michael, Mike Rump said something about that. I'm sure their eyes are wide open. Uh, I'm sure they would embrace something like that. Uh, just don't know that it's developed to this point. Okay. Now, my last question, and you can just keep me on hold, with two things is the status of the offensive line, what are you hearing, what are you seeing? That's one question I have. And then two, are you sensing a little bit more excitement and enthusiasm on the recruiting trail about Miami? And if you could just answer those two questions and keep me on hold, I'd appreciate it, Gary. Good talking to you again. No, I you- all right, let, let's let, let's uh, we'll start with the offensive line. Uh, you know, we know it's the it's probably the most challenged position on the team. I mean, let's be honest. It, 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 yep. it was not in a very good state last year. Not a ton has changed. It's it's basically the same guys. They're they're trying to work and make better. Okay, okay, great. But you know, you've got some young guys, Bar Milo, Tyree St. Louis. Um, I think those two guys in particular have a chance to take it the next step. Um, they look spectacular physically. Um, you know, Stacy Searle That's seems it. to be doing a good job with them, and uh, so I'll be very interested in, in watching them closely here these next two weeks in the scrimmages. I want, you know, those are two of the guys I think everybody should keep their eyes on. Um, I think you want to start seeing some of these young offensive linemen take step forwards. Okay, that's that's with that. And and you know, the the other thing I'll tell you is Sonny Adagwu is, is not in great shape physically. He's a guy that played a lot last year. I'm not sure yet how much he's going to be able to give them next year. But he you know he has not been able to do to work in spring, and um, you know we'll see what happens as his career moves forward. But uh, they need some of these young kids to step up. There's no question about it. And, um, you know, I've heard good things about about Gauthier, who's been working at center. Um, You know, supposedly he's developing a little bit. Um, I mentioned Milo and and, and St. Louis. I mean, those are are the three guys uh, that, to me, are best equipped right now to take the quickest step forward. Um, Some of those other guys, like Loftus Mahoney and those guys, I think are bigger projects. I I don't know what's going to happen there. But um, yeah, we'll have to keep a, a really good eye on that here in the next uh, Saturday, and then in the spring game, and we'll be able to talk about it more in, in over the next couple of weeks as we do these Kane uh, Sport Live shows. Now, on the subject of recruiting, it, it, it's an interesting subject right now because obviously we're sitting here; it's um, it's early in the cycle. We're we're in early April. 
Um, signing day is not for 10 months. There, there's an enormous lot of recruiting and enormous lot of work uh, that's going to take place here as time goes by. And um, the one thing that you could see is the high school coaches seem to be getting reengaged with the program. There's been a lot of effort to get the local high school coaches coming out to practice, and you see you see some of them out there every day. And you know you're seeing a lot of kids coming out for practice too. Now you know that's all the good news, and and, it, and it's all great. Um, the concern that I have right now, and, and you know, I what I I've got to figure out I've either. These kids are misrated, um, or like to me, there is no reason in the world. Miami's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen commits on the board right now. Okay, thirteen of the fourteen are three-star players. Um, now, there's a couple that I personally think are a little better than that. I mean, Nikozi Perry, I think you know could be a four-star quarterback. Uh, by the end of the day, I really like the Dingle kid as a receiver. You know, he might develop and, and get higher rated. Um, Robert Burns, the running back, you know, to me has a chance. And, and I, I've got to look at some of these other guys a lot more intensely here um, in, in the time going forward. But I'm, I'm, I'm concerned when Miami has a recruiting class where 13 of the 14 commits on the board are three stars. And there's no there's one four star, uh, Nivon uh, Donaldson, the offensive lineman from Miami Central, and at this point no five stars. And um, so we'll see. You know, let's just see. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get all crazy here and start throwing around things to get you guys falsely excited or or you know anything along those lines. It's early in the process. There's a lot of recruiting left to be done. Rankings are going to change. New kids are going to come into the equation. May is obviously a huge month. The coaches go on the road for the whole month and work all, the, all their connections around the country, and new kids will pop on and things like that. Okay, So it's very early in the game. Um, but I, I think that from a wish list standpoint, you're going to want to see some – um, higher-rated kids pop onto that commit list as the cycle moves forward. So, um, you know, certainly nothing to be discouraged about in recruiting, um, but I don't want to sit here and, uh, you know, oversell the market either and tell you guys you should be going absolutely crazy. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Let me say this before I leave. You know, even with that having three stars, I do believe that, I mean, Missouri had a bunch of three stars, and they were winning the SEC East. So if you yeah. can get the right combination of coaching and, you know, development inside the program, I'm not really, really um, discouraged by the number of three stars I have. What really gets to me as I looked over the algorithm period is when you had so many decommits. So you had so many players that were committed to your program that you were under the assumption they were going to come in and they end up bailing at the last minute. And then you end up reaching for kids towards the end. So I – I guess what I'm saying is I'm not going to make too much hay because we've seen five stars that didn't really develop and kind of pan out. But if you're able to get the right kid, if you're able to get the right kid in your program that's committed to you, that you have really scouted them well and and you watch them and you've done your research and they fit your program and they're able to develop. I've seen Missouri, we've seen Carolina, we've seen a lot of other schools, Virginia Tech, 
you know, when they were really humming, you've seen a lot of schools really make some great strides with three stars. So the only thing I'm concerned about on the recruiting thing is if you can somehow keep Florida State out of our backyard, we can dominate the ACC. Because I've always said it, and I'll say it again, Florida State don't win championships unless they're getting players from South Florida. So you can comment on that. Just keep me on hold. And um, But that's the main thing. If you get the right kids in your program that fits what you're trying to do and you can develop them, I think they're going to go a long way. And just keep Florida State from out of getting talent from Miami. They're, not, they're nothing if they don't have Dallas Cook and some of the players that they get from South Florida. And just keep me on hold, Gary. You know I'm going to keep saying that. No problem. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048 the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now out to the 202. You are live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? All right, come on, yeah, I'm putting hello. you back on hold. You got to get your act together. You can't have, we can't talk to you if you're talking to somebody else. Let's go out to the 318. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? You know, it's just Port City Kane. How you doing? Long time. What's no up, Port here, City? No How you doing this week? I'm doing okay. Hey, just uh, got a couple of comments. I think that, uh, you know, even though, you know, we hadn't gotten into the season yet, I think that health is going to be a big issue for us this year because. If if one of our main guys like Quan Muhammad or Stacy Cooley, if any one of those guys go down, I mean it's just not enough layers of talent to make up for it. So you know, uh, do you think that it's going to be kind of a fine line between, especially when we get into, you know, the summer preparation? Is it going to be a fine line between trying to get the the team ready and trying to watch out for injuries also? Because I mean we just don't have enough depth in some areas to sustain any injuries. I mean, health is going to be a paramount to whether or not we can get to 10 wins or not. What you say about that, Gary? You know, you're making a great point. I think uh, an injury to either one of those guys would be absolutely devastating to this team. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, know, you look at Quan Muhammad, you look at Brad Kaya, you look at Stacey Coley, um, probably those three. Uh, I, I mean, an injury to any of those three would be devastating. Mm-hmm. And and let me say this, and and I, I I'm kind of a little bit concerned, and I know you maybe not feel this way, but you got to look at it. Uh, Gus Edwards has yet to play a meaningful group of downs versus Florida State. No running back who's been in Miami uh, this long has uh, you know not played meaningful downs, and his uh, his kind of durability some of the time concerns me because you got if if a guy that's that big and that potent, and he didn't demonstrate it, that he can run, block, and catch. And he's another guy that we can't see go down because when he went down, you know, in short-yarded situations, you know, it put us in precarious positions and dropped our percentage of conversions down because we weren't able to get a guy who could take on contact and still, you know, get that first down. You know, that might be another guy that we look at as uh, one of those guys that's uh, crucial to uh, our success because he got to stay upright. Some of them guys got to stay upright. And another thing is, is guys who I think underperformed last year, we got to get some out of them. You know, we got to we got to understand because I don't want to see teams just take us to the deep water and wear us out and wear us down in those key games. You know, just like you say, we got to win even Notre Dame 
of Florida State, of both of them. I mean, even if we win both of them and we only finish eight and four, I still think that we got the win at our back. You know, but we got to get something out of these guys uh, who we just don't – that we maybe not think a whole lot out of because we don't want to see guys uh, being just taken in the deep water and they've been just worn down. I understand, you know, you got to keep the, your premium guys out of there, out there, but you got to keep them fresh too. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, to me, like the, those three guys we were talking about are, are – are, I mean, listen, it's football. You're going to have injuries, okay? Mm-hmm. But those three guys that we talked about, uh, you can't mm-hmm. afford to lose any of those three. Okay. Your football team okay. would take a huge step down if you lose any of those three guys just because of where they are right now depth-wise. They just don't have it. Mm-hmm. Well, I have good was looking. He looks good, but he, he's rusty. You know, he's not as smooth as he was before he got hurt. It's going to take him some time. Uh, I'll be interested to see how he looks on Saturday. You know, I, I think now, if, you know, ten, he's got 10 practices under his belt. He'll have another one on Thursday. That'll be 11. And then Saturday will be the 12th of the spring. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's time that he should be starting to get his rhythm back. And, and I'll be interested to see what he looks like Saturday. Let me ask you this. How close are we to, and on the recruiting tip, how close are we to getting any defensive tackle commits? Do we have any of them that's imminent? Or is it going to be a while? Uh, because that's a position like offensive line, defensive tackle, and that defensive back position. But really, you know, when you look around that roster as a whole, it's not really many positions that you couldn't use uh, an impact guy at because – it's like about the only position where you look at and you feel pretty comfortable about, somewhat comfortable about, is probably the tight end position. Other than that, I mean, the rest of it, you know, it's slim picking. You know, so is it any uh, imminent defensive tackle commits that you, you know, that you maybe could see uh, coming on board, you know, sometime even before uh, we start the season? Uh, don't know. I mean, right. I I think that obviously there's a chance that something will shake over the summer, but right now we don't know of anything imminent. Uh, it's the toughest position, obviously, to recruit, uh, especially in the Southeast because you got to deal with all the SEC schools, and uh, you know they're obviously all recruiting the top defensive linemen as well, and uh, it's just it's a really tough spot to recruit. Mm-hmm. And let me, and this is my last thing, but haven't you noticed? that you're seeing an influx of a lot of guys coming down to South Florida to play their last year of high school, and it kind of makes it – it kind of distorts uh, the influence of Miami because you got a lot of guys who aren't organic to South Florida, Dave Broward and Palm Beach County, that's coming down there to be – you know, to finish out their high school careers. And then when you go out there and look at it, it's like they're going other different places, and they're going other different places, like i.e. Leonard Jones, Leonard uh, Williams, somebody whose really roots are somewhere else in another region, but they're coming down there and they're playing that last year to get development and to get exposure, also things like that. And doesn't that some kind of, in some ways, distort the effect of saying the coaching staff? Because you got guys, say a guy come down there because it was a guy from Shreveport. He came down there at IMG, and he was going to Ole Miss. You know, he came down there to play his uh, final year of football down there. But his, you know, he, all of his roots were actually some in some other region. Does that kind of distort 
the influence or the impact that our coaching staff is having on recruiting uh, down in uh, South Florida? Well, I, I I don't know if I would isolate it to just South Florida, but I mean, like you look at what's going on over at IMG. I mean, that's changed recruiting for a lot of people. I mean, the way that I mean, they're running a, a factory over there. I mean, it, it's one of the most bizarre things I've seen. The way they've put that academy together, and kids are coming there from all over the place. And um, obviously, it's important to have a recruiting presence at that at that place. But uh, so I don't. I wouldn't just isolate it to South Florida. I think. You know, recruiting has changed, and just for, for you know, in the overall big picture. Okay, then. Well, Gary, uh, that's all I have for tonight, and I look forward to uh, being in the conversation you have in the coming weeks. And man, you just have a blessed night, and keep me on hold. You too, man. Thanks for being part of the show, as always. Okay, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go out to the two zero two. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Garrett. Who's this? This Kane's fan from D.C. Hey, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Glad to hear it's a, it's calmed down in your household. There, we tried to come to you a few minutes ago, and it was it was very chaotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking about the um, the um, the game, the basketball game. So, uh, the, so what can um, we do the, for you? Um, we were talking about um, you guys were talking about the the. Um, the, uh, the pro day and all that, how it was raining and all everything, you know, stuff happened for a reason at the end of the day. At the end of the day, Mammy needs to get an uh, indoor practice, you know, facility. But then, but then these kids don't understand, right? When you look at what you say, most, I said, I said, I said, these kids gotta understand, like, you know, you know, like, like basically, I'm saying, like, stuff happened for a reason. With the whole raining, you know, the pro day. But I guarantee. Uh-huh. When the NFL season starts or ends this coming season, Miami will have most players playing more than any school. I guarantee you that Miami might have at least about seven kids or eight kids that can be in the uh-huh. NFL roster in September. See all these, I mean, all these like other schools making fun of Miami, so and so. Not having these um, indoor, indoor, uh, like you know, what I'm saying fields and all that. Talking day, about it earlier, they're gonna get it. it it's gonna happen, yeah, and it's gonna happen. It's, sooner, it's gonna happen sooner than later. You watch. Yeah, definitely. It's a must. It's a must because you know everybody has it now. But, but the main thing is, Miami get kids in the NFL. A lot of colleges can't do it. When you yeah. look at most kids running in the NFL, Miami's like number two or, or, or at least number three. And the Miami's been bad for like ten years. All right, so what? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, we get it. I mean, yeah, no, Miami's always been one of the top schools in the country for producing NFL guys. Yeah, so all all those ESPN guys talking all that crap, don't mind them. All the other schools talking all that crap. If I'm a if, if I'm a smart, intelligent athlete, and I know at the end of the day I want to get paid to play football. I go to a school that's going to make me make money in the NFL. Not a school that's going to make me a popular star in college football, and then in the NFL, I'm nobody. There's some schools yep. that's, that's just like that, like Ohio State, um, Alabama. Just to say, like, if you check it, um, like Florida State, right? The past four years, Florida State has more DBs in the NFL that's star right now. 
than Alabama. Nick Saban has more kids dressed DB-wise than Florida State. See, I don't know, you know, I hate Florida State, but at the end of the day, the evidence is right there. There's some schools, they, they can make you a superstar in college football. But once you go to the NFL with the big men and the big boys, two different things. But anyway, um, the D-line will get better this year. I have a, I have a strong feeling the D-line is going to get better this year. That's all I have to say. It's a all right, man. Well, thank you for being part of the show. Give us, we'll talk to you next time. All right, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048 is the number. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, let's go out now. All right, let's try this. Let's go out to the 318. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Oh, wait, we already had you on. I'm sorry. Yeah, we already had you. I'm sorry. Let's go out to the 845. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary, Greg, how you doing? What's up, Greg? How you doing this week? Good. I just got back from freezing my ass off at the Yankee game. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah? Anyway, uh, I got a question for you. How much of an impact do you think this guy Darty is going to have in recruiting? Um, with, with with the coaching staff that that they have now, and I, you know, I, I think he's got a chance to make a really good impact because he's a real organized guy. Um, he, he understands what needs to be done and, and what it takes to to recruit well, and and I think that he'll he'll have a very organized player personnel acquisition effort uh, taking place there, and. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's it's much more up to the coaches than the ops guys. You know, the the ops guys can only organize things and 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 work with people and try to get people to come and come to practices and and things like that. At the end of the day, it's the coaches that are the the guys out in the field that you know need to get it done. So okay. you know, he can he he can have an impact, but let's not kid ourselves. At the end of the day, it's got to be the coaches. All right. Do you think we're bringing in a higher caliber of recruit right now for these visits when they come in on the? I don't want to go crazy on that, Craig. Right, right now, I really don't. Um, you know, there's four, 14 commits, like I was saying before. 13 of the 14 are three stars. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of elite players out there that are not yet. Um, in the mix to the degree that you, that you're hoping that they will be by the time this re- total recruiting class comes together. And, and I got to believe it's going to be a, a pretty sizable recruiting class. So, um, you know, l- let's say to be determined on all of that, you know, I think, I mean, to be honest, you well, know, can you, I hate to belabor this point with you, but on ESPN, we got seven ESPN 300s. So how, how, yep. there's always such a discrepancy. It's amazing, and we're always sure. Well, by it's rivals. very subjective. It's very right. subjective, and it's very early in the process. And here's what I'll tell you: right now, the you know, and and obviously everybody that does rankings has different evaluators and teams and all that, and it's very subjective. But right now, the rivals recruiting team is making its rounds around the country, and. 
There's Rivals Camp Series events all over in all the major recruiting markets. They were in Atlanta this past weekend. They, they've been in South Florida. They've been in L.A. They'll go to Texas. They, they make their way around the whole country, okay, to all the major recruiting pockets. And all these kids get evaluated live, okay? So when they come out with those Rivals lists in, by late summer, and uh, in June, all the top kids in the country are invited to the Rivals Five-Star Challenge. They're, they're flown in this year. It's going to be in Atlanta, um, and they, they get to compete against each other. So, you, so the analysts and, and, and you know, everybody gets to see the best go against the best. And um, By the time you get into late summer, the rankings will take on a little bit of a new look, and then we can better evaluate what's going on, I think. Um, you know, I'm, just, I'm just not big on doing this 10 months before signing day. There's just way, way, way – too much that still has to take place, and way too many in-person evaluations that need to happen, and um, you know. So we'll see. It, it, you know, it's it's. A, you know, I'm not trying to evade your question. I just think it's a, it's it's a work in progress right now. Ten months before signing day. Okay, I got one last point. Do you think Al Blades Jr. is going to end up in this in the Hurricane uniform? Yes, I do. He's out there all the time. I saw him. He was out there. Um, Today's Tuesday. I guess I saw him out there last on um, on last Thursday. He was out there. Um, he's out there very regularly. Okay, and that guy Donovan Georges is a beast. They need to get yeah. him somehow. But anyway, all right. Thank you, Gary. I'll talk to you next week. You got it, Greg. Thank you for being part of the show, as always. All right, we got a clean board right now. So if if you want to get on, now's a great time to hit that number one on your keypad, and we'll get you on the show. The 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Um, in the meantime, let me um, start to address some of these other topics that were submitted by the posters at canesport.com as topics they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. Uh, let's see where we were here. Um, the question is, how important is speed in Mark Rick's game plans? And why is there such an emphasis um, more than once in conversations by the coach about the speed of the wide receivers? And, um, you know, I, I think the reason for that is he, he like, you know, he, A, he's an offensive coach. He's running the offense. And offensive coaches like speed. And, and, and right now Miami has less speed at the wide receiver position than – it's it's had in any time in in modern day history. I, I I can't I can't remember when the receiver position has been this devoid of speedy receivers. And um, this is what Mark Rick has inherited, so it, it's very much on his mind, and that's why you're hearing him speak about it. And uh, until they you know they've got Amon Richards coming in who can who can who can run pretty good. Deontay Mullins has been working on his speed and has decent speed. Uh, Sam Bruce has decent speed. So <clears throat> you got a few guys coming in in the fall that'll that'll be able to run a little bit. But until they get to the point where they got 9, 10, 11, 12 receivers on the roster that can run, I think you'll continue to hear that from Mark Richt, and that's why um, you're hearing him speak about that right now. And um, the, the continuation of the question is, why is that more important than a strong offensive line and defense? Obviously, it's not. But I think you have a head coach right now that's very engaged 
in the offense, and he's not really working with the defense. And and you know he, they've got they do have a lot of offensive linemen on the roster that they're working on. And when he's looking at his offense right now, he's identifying a lack of speed at the receiver position as his most pressing issue right now. And that's why I think you're hearing him speak so much about it. Um, next question, what, um, what sort of things is this staff doing to reduce penalties that are different than the last regime? You know, I'm not sure that what they're doing is, is, is different than the last regime. I, I think what all regimes do is they bring officials out to practice and um, have full-time college football referees work in the practice fields. And, uh, you know, Mark Richt has certainly done the same. You've seen him out there at every single practice. Uh, and they're always available for any drills that the coaches want them for uh, to actively uh, participate and, um, and function as referees and, and call infractions when they see them and make the players aware of things they're doing wrong. So, um, you know, are they doing more than past regimes have done? No, but they're certainly doing everything that the past regimes have done. Next question involved, um, let's see, we already covered the indoor practice facility, so I'm, I'm going I'm to move on from that. Um, are there any plans to improve the living situations of players? And, and I assume that that question involves, um, are they going to build an athletic dorm? And uh, I have not heard of any plans to build an athletic-specific living um, facility at this point, but uh, the university has put a lot of money into apartments recently, and um, a lot of the football players are living in those apartments and, and, and certainly have good living situations there. I think others are, you know, are living off campus and are able to get you know, decent housing in that way. I don't see player living situations as being a huge issue for this program right now, certainly not on the level of the indoor practice facility, for example, or finding ways to make the stadium look better and things like that. Um, so I just don't, I don't think that that's one of the more pressing issues of the program. All right, I'm, I'm, uh, before I go on to these last couple subjects, I'm going to put out a last call for phone calls. Uh, the number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. If you want to get in on the show tonight, hit the number one on your keypad. If you're on hold or, or when you call in, that will send us a prompt that you want to come on the show. Um, so we're going to put out a last call for tonight's show for phone calls um, as we go into these last couple uh, questions. Now, um, next one up, what's the vibe around the team? And uh, I don't think it could be described in any other way other than extremely positive. The, the players seem to really like the coaches. Um, the coaches seem to like the players. Like I said earlier in the show, an incredible amount of teaching is taking place. The players, to my eye, the players seem to really be appreciating that. Um, they're very attentive. Uh, they seem to be embracing um, the teaching that they're getting out there. And I think they, they also seem to like Mark Rick's approach of treating them like adults and not overwhelming them with rules. Um, you know, basically, he's given them the responsibility of staying out of trouble and conducting themselves like adults and, and, and representing the program the right way um, and not forcing him to be a heavy-handed head coach. And, uh, you know, he's put that in the hands of the players. And so far, 
I think they're responding well. I mean, none of them are getting in trouble. They're, they seem to be doing the right things. Um, guys are showing up on time, not missing practices or anything along those lines. So, um, you know, I think you got to feel good right now about what's taking place as it relates to the vibe of the team. <clears throat> Do we have any feel about how the coaches feel about the talent level right now on the team? Um, is there some disappointment with the talent level and, and work ethic that they're trying to break them from? Um, I think early on there might have been a little disappointment in the work ethic. You know, I mean, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, we, we heard a lot of comments along those lines from Manny Diaz, who um, is not one to – you know, mince his words and is not afraid to offend anybody or anything along those lines. And um, But it, as these practices have gone on, you kind of see the tune changing a little bit. And uh, the coaches seem to be pretty pleased with the effort that they are getting. Um, the talent level, I mean, let's face it, let's be honest, the talent level is not where you ultimately hope it will be. Uh, it's, it's, it's a football team that does not have a ton of impact players. It's a football team that does not have a lot of depth. And, uh, you know, those things are works in progress right now. you got to hope that they're developing some more depth here in spring practice. Um, but it's not there yet. And I think, you know, you just got to be uh, realistic. Um, who do we think will separate themselves from the rest of the pack at backup quarterback? And um, the guy that I, you know, like a lot is Evan Sheriffs. I mean, he's a tall kid. He's six six. He's really smart. He throws a nice ball. Um, I think he's got a shot. I really do. I think he's got a shot to emerge as the number two quarterback by the fall. Um, obviously, Malik Rozier has a head start on him. Um, Malik has proven that he could go into a football game and win, uh, which he did last year. Um, so, you know, he's very much in, in, obviously in the mix. But uh, I think Evan Sheriff has a shot. So we'll, we'll see how that develops and see how he finishes these last two scrimmages. All right, 646-595-2048 is the number. Uh, like we said, putting out a last call for phone calls this evening and um, – we're going to sit and we're going to go right now to the 310 where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? How you doing, sir? It's uh, Righteous Kane. What's up, Righteous? How are you doing this evening? Good you. Um, you already answered one of my questions, kind of. I'll ask you about Evan Sharefs because I heard he did pretty good in that uh, first scrimmage, and I was been pretty excited. Yeah, I like him. him. I think he would be a... Yeah, me too. Uh, I like I him a lot. He'd be a solid backup. Me too. I think that's one thing we could thank James Coley for. He did a good job identifying a quarterback like that. He's kind of one of those diamond erupts who no one was really looking at, and we were able to scoop him up. And he might be someone, like you said, who could be very valuable down the line in a couple of years. And then Jack Allison, and if the Kosey Perry really signs with us next year to uh, really have a true quarterback competition after Kaya leaves. So I'm, I'm actually yeah. rooting for him to actually take over the second spot. Well, Rozier proved he can win a game, so he's got a, a little yeah. bit of a head start. But I, I mean, I'm yeah. a, I've been impressed with everything I've seen of Sheriff. Yes, and and the thing I, what I like about this quarterback um, roster, we haven't had anything like this in probably God knows twenty something years, where you actually have you know four maybe five guys you could depend on, or at least you know be developing. I remember over the years we've only had maybe one backup quarterback, and it ended up causing us trouble over the years. 
You know, after Ken Dorsey left, you had Brock Berlin, but no one really behind him until Kyle Wright, and Kyle Wright only had Kirby Freeman to really push him. And it was just kind of a disaster where you don't have that competition. You look at Florida State a few years ago, they had, you know, that Trickett, they had Coker, they had Winston. You had guys pushing each other, and, you know, they all pretty much turned out to be good one way or the other, whether they stayed with FSU or not. So we need to have that kind of solid competition in the quarterback uh, position, and that will make for a stronger team down the road. No doubt. And you, you, one last it's always good to have competition okay. there. You got to have three, at least three, four guys because guys will transfer. You, know, you just never know what's happening at that spot. Just look at the upheaval that Miami's had at that position over the last five, six years. Oh, absolutely, and it's definitely you know hurt the program over the years. You know, we didn't have the quality, and plus there was poor recruiting going on, and you know guys leaving us at the altar and whatnot, and not having a true backup plan. But uh, I had a question about Scott Patch. I don't know if you I mentioned him. Well, what's his status? I heard he was injured. Is he out for the rest of the year? What's his deal? Yeah, it looks that way. I mean, we haven't gotten an official injury report, but, you know, it's looking like he, he may have re-injured his knee. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, All right, what else you got for us tonight? Well. Anything? Oh, one last thing. I know you mentioned about Dogwood. What was the chance of him returning later in the year? I mean, look, sorry, not later. Don't know. Later, we don't know at this point. Return. I mean, he's he's got some uh-huh. issues with his knees. Um, hmm. You know, I don't want to speak out of school about a kid's medical right. situation. You know, he does have right. some he he does have some issues going on with his knees, and um, I think there's a lot of question marks there. Oh well, hopefully he gets better because, like he says, we definitely need that offensive line to be. Uh, develop properly, even though we know the talent isn't where it needs to be, but hopefully um, they can get it together by the start of the season and hope for the best. But uh, that's it. Uh, thank you very much. You got it, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right, last call of the night. Let's go out to the 239. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? Going once, twice. All right, you're out. Um, well, we just had another one come in, so let's go to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? It's Gerald. Calling doing good. Who's this? Gerald. What's up, man? What you got for us? Hey. Um, All righty. Uh, I know you mentioned about the coaches and recruiting. Which, which one of the coaches is, uh, you know, that, 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 that recruiter that can go out and get these defensive tackles that we need? Or is they well, if, if you're talking about defensive tackles, it's going to have to start with Coach Kuligowski. I mean, that's his, that's his position, and, and, you know, he's going to have to identify and go out and try to recruit these guys. So, um, you know, you got to start with him. But, you know, obviously other members of the staff will, will contribute to that cause. Uh, you know, Mandy Diaz as the defensive coordinator, you know, I think has to be part of that um, without a doubt. And, uh then I guess, you know, I don't know how they're going to carve up the areas and things like that, but, uh, you know, i got to believe some of these other coaches, you know, like a Thomas Brown um, could get involved maybe with certain guys in certain areas. You know, we'll just have to see how they how they decide to recruit that position. But it, it'll so start we, in Coach Kuligowski. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So do we have that that, that home run coach, that one that can go out and get grab, grab those recruits that we need or – Oh, oh, we don't. Oh. We don't know yet. It's a new coaching staff. You know, we got to see yeah, how they man, do. They, uh, I know they got history from the team that they was on. 
where they where they where they come from recruiting wise. You know, yeah, but I'm not sure any of these guys has a history as a great recruiter. You know, that I mean, I don't think any of them are bringing that with them. So you know, we'll see. I mean, Thomas Brown at at Georgia, from what I'd heard, was a decent recruiter up there. Oh, okay, so this defense that he's but I don't think you you're, you're mean, not dealing with a situation where there's proven you know recruiting superstars. Yeah, recruiter. So we just got to see how they do. What about this defense? Is it? I mean, I know we hear a lot of attacking, and is it going to be like stopping the run also? Uh, it's it's, it's supposed to be. I mean, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see as they get challenged more and more on the practice field. But it, it, it's supposed to, you know, turn defensive linemen loose to attack and linebackers and safeties, and uh, it's it's supposed to stop everything. <laughs> With the with the qualifier being, it's going to give up some big plays sometimes. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's all I had. That's all I had tonight. Thanks, thanks for getting in late. We appreciate your call. Give us a call again yeah. next time. All right, guys, great show tonight. Hope everybody enjoyed it. I thought the the calls were great. A lot of a lot of very high quality discussion. Um, I hope everybody that lives in the South Florida area will get the opportunity to. Come up to Oxbridge Academy on Saturday and take a look at the Canes football team in action in scrimmage number two of the spring. And you know, then, of course, we'll have the spring game the following week at Lockhart Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. We will have Canes Sport Live shows each of the next two Tuesdays to continue to discuss spring football and what's going on with the team and the program. So uh, thank you once again, everybody, for listening and being part of the show. And uh, hope to see a bunch of you up in West Palm Beach on Saturday. Good night, everybody.